Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The 580 Show. We had an awesome episode this week with Cody Abel and Andrew Hainis. I just want to thank them for coming on. Packed with information this week, so be sure to tune into the entire episode. Uh, before we go into it, I just want to remind you all you can go to 580barbell.com to get your horsepower pre-workout. Also, please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, 580 Barbell, and follow us on Instagram at 580 Barbell. Other than that, thank you guys all for the support. I appreciate it. Um, I'm so thankful. And yeah, here is the episode. Thank you. Okay, we're live. We got Andrew, who was the number one uh, 80 kilo at Strongman Corporation Nationals this year, and Cody, who was number two. Cody's making his second appearance on the episode, so you guys have already heard from him before, most likely, and Andrew's making his debut. So just kind of want to give a little bit of a background on both these guys. Andrew, you've been – when did you start competing in Strongman officially? I had my first official Strongman competition in 2012. 2012. And you yeah. had a you had a stint in the Titan Games, which was pretty cool. That was a thing. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I think a lot of people when when they think of lightweight strongman, you're probably one of the one of the first three guys that people think of. Um, and you just podiumed at OSG. Arnold's coming up, and uh, and then when you talk about Cody, I think uh, pretty much the same deal. One of the top eighty guys. Super friendly guy. I think everyone has talked to Cody in our class at one point or another. So just wanted to get both these guys on here and kind of talk about strongman for us lightweights and, uh, you know, the future of what's going on. So I appreciate you guys joining me and, and uh, yeah, we'll get into it. Oh, yeah. Appreciate you. So I guess we'll start with Andrew. What are your, what are your current goals, plans now that OSG is over and, uh, you know, the next year or two for strongman, man, that's a loaded fucking question. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, since OSG has been over, I basically have not trained more than like five times at all. Got up to a whopping cookie weight, cookie and pie weight of 207 pounds, working my way back down. Um, just a couple of good bowel movements, really. And then, uh, uh, looking forward to maybe uh, really Arnold kind of the, the kickoff for the rest of this year. Um, there are a lot of moving parts. I actually, this, this is supposed to be my 10th year of competing. So my first contest was in 2012. We're now in 2022. So this is like my decadal period. Um, so I wanted to do something kind of ridiculous. So I'd come up with this idea and I was calling it the DECA. And it's supposed to be... 10th anniversary, 10 huge events, um, not all strongman. So I wanted to do strongman, powerlifting, bodybuilding, Olympic lifting, CrossFit. I wanted to ride a hundred mile, uh, hundred miles on a bike. Like I had all of these things kind of laid out, um, but I'm not sure I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can do towards that goal, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it a reality in a 12 month calendar year. We'll see. I got a lot of other things that are kind of prioritizing, like other life goals, career goals. Um, so we'll see. But otherwise, uh, strongman wise, just got the invite, the official invite to clash. So I'll be doing that. I don't think I'm turning that down. I'm sorry. I just I can't. Uh, it's, it's too exciting to not do. Um, so that'll be August. Otherwise, I don't have any plans outside of those two strongman contests this year. 
Um, so you've been competing for 10 years, basically this year. What did you look like? That's crazy. So what did you look like when young Andrew Haynes started in 2012? Like what type of competitor were you? Like, were you, did you jump on the scene and you were immediately like, as I don't want to say, I don't want to make your head too big and say dominant, but were you really, really good when you first started or has it been a long haul these 10 years? It's been a long haul. I was getting my ass kicked off off the go. Um, I started when I was in the military, actually. So I was still active duty. 100% of my time commitment uh, was to, you know, our operations. I was a dog handler. So I had a very active career, uh, physically active career, which allowed me to kind of at least maintain a certain level of fitness. Um, and I did a lot of active things uh, to try and, and at least stay better than the rest of my squadron. Uh, and I never, you know, other than trying to do like extreme distance running. I never got, you know, never got too crazy. Um, but I would say like off the go, because moving around in the military, it's so hard to really do strongman training. It was just way easier to do powerlifting and bodybuilding. Cause no matter where I went, I could always rely on a barbell and dumbbells. So it was really easy to kind of just stay focused in that direction. So I did my first strongman comp in 2012 and I didn't do another one, I think until 2016. And so like I ghosted for a while, but during that period I was doing competitive powerlifting as well. Uh, and so it just kind of was the life that I had at that time. And I even, I mean, I was terrible at powerlifting. I just enjoyed it because it was something I could be competitive in outside of the military uh, so yeah, I was terrible at that. But once I got out of the military, I was able to really focus in and, and kind of get back into strongman, which I preferred. And I mean, since 2016, 2017, that's really been the trajectory of going through grad school and competing uh, was not easy, but it was manageable. And um, here we are today. So it's been, it's been a long haul. I've had some really good turnouts at local contests and then try to, you know, make a couple shows at larger like national contests or like platinum plus and completely gotten and handed to me. I remember the first time I ever ran into Richie Stout uh, was central Georgia's strongest man. And I was coming off this high from the year before, you know, where I was the victor. And then the following year, Richie shows up and creams the entire competition. And for me, that was like my first big, you know, introduction one to him, but then to that level of competition. Uh, and so that was for me, huge. To, to see like, all right, this is, this is what the potential is like. Yeah. And give me a different target to kind of shoot for. Yeah. I remember my first time, I, I always think it's interesting with strongmen. Cause like people that lift weights are always like, you know, these macho like guys. And my first time meeting you was at PA strongest man, I guess, 2019 or something like that. Yeah. When, and you were, and you said that when you drove to the contest, you listened to a calculus podcast. And I was like, what you, it's like, what got you fired up? And I was like, yeah, I'm a a huge science nerd. I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a STEM advocate, so to speak. So a lot of what I do is to kind of bolster, you know, the, the teachings and learnings from, um, the the entire STEM community. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I've got some, I've got some big things coming up later this year, actually, to kind of drive my career into a new direction back into that path. Cool. Well, Cody, what about you? You got coming off OSG. Now, what's the rest of the year look like for you? Yeah, so coming off OSG, um, didn't have the performance I wanted. And so what 
I'm really excited for the Arnold and I'm actually changing a lot of little stuff in my approach um, to basically, I'm trying to make prep and training as low a stress as possible. Um, and so what I'm like doing now, I'm just making a lot of like little changes um, and uh, just want to like, not so much change my effort and how much I put into like the dedication and stuff, but basically just like still pursue it as like close to a professional level in terms of effort and like, um, uh, like how exact and precise we get, but like I'm reminding myself like, Hey man, you actually like doing this. So, um, I'm trying to go into the Arnold with the most like happy, positive mental state I've had in a long time. And then as far as the rest of the year, um, I'm going to try and do the online qualifier for clash, but, um, I'm actually on vacation the very first week of the first event. And, um, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to get the first event done. I have no idea what it's going to be. If it's like a barbell lift, I think I could maybe squeeze it in really quick. Um, but if it's something specialized, I just don't know. Um, so if I can't make it, I can't make it. And that's part of it. I might fly out to like hang out, maybe support the crew. Uh, but other than that, I'm going to take a really long, true off season, um, which I haven't done since like 2019. And I think I need to gain some weight. Uh, I haven't been over like 195 in like four years. Um, so just want to kind of honestly, if I could get like six to eight months of like no contest driven training and like, just like get it all in, I think that would benefit me a lot. And then just whatever I got to do to get back to OSG. Cause I'll have to do another qualifier. Yeah. Uh, but that's really it for now. So at most best case scenario, Arnold clash OSG, but this is very possibly maybe just the Arnold new OSG. Yeah. It was a quick turnaround for you guys. Cause you had, uh, nationals in October and then straight to OSG in November. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I know how, how beat up I felt after nationals. And I mean, you guys, you know, performing at the absolute highest level, truly one and two at nationals, you know, and then going right into OSG that has to be, you know, for a top level competitor, like both you guys are, I think, I don't know if people realize how many, how all these shows can really beat you up. You know, it's, yeah. you know, you're planning all this training around, you know, it's strong, man. So a lot of the movements are going to be very heavy. You know, you'll have your medleys and stuff like that in there, but, you know, coat training for a heavy deadlift and then a heavy yoke and, you know, your whole year, you know, it can really take a toll on your body. So, yeah, you know, I see what you're saying. Cody. We were kind of blessed this year with nationals and OSGs because there was a lot of overlap between some of the events like the log and the sandbag, for example. Right. Uh, I think that we yeah. kind of just, and the yoke. Uh, so we kind of lucked out a little bit with some of those yeah. things, uh, but it's not always like that, especially right. for those bigger shows. Sometimes you, you and that's if the other crappy thing is you can't really fine tune your training for every single show. Like you have to really cherry pick and say, where do I have a better chance of doing really well? And then yeah. just put all your energy into that and then hope that you're at least conditioned and trained enough. So you can then focus on some of the more important lifts during like that rest period between the two contests. Especially yeah. if you like have been doing it long enough and it's like, 
all right like you know where your talents lie you know what i mean so like if you are someone that like let's say the split jerk if you're someone that you're your jerk your push jerk and split jerk are pretty dialed in it's like okay i can kind of pull back on that type of volume to focus either on pulling or like static pressing you know what i mean something like that so that's that's also where experience i think comes into play and having a coach too yeah that failed a lot in that realm lately i've not had a coach for myself which not made it easier (laughs) what do you go never mind yeah i uh, hiring a coach has been the best thing ever because I coach people in person, not necessarily just for strongman, like high school athletes and stuff. And to be able to just, after I'm done coaching, turn my brain off and just look at my training is like, yeah. that's literally the the best gift I've ever had. After the last thing, after being at the gym for like four hours, I want to do is like write down and like go back on my Excel sheet and see what I did. So it's been a blessing. I was a conversation yeah. in my head too. I'm just like, I, I hate tr- like doing my own programming, but then I turn around and I'm like, on January one, I'm like, all right, let's think about the Arnold. Yeah, we have maybe eight good weeks of training. All right, well, nobody's gonna want to really take you on with eight weeks because then your expectations on that coach might be a little bit more uh, carry a little bit more weight, and they might not feel like they can give you what you need in eight weeks for a big show like that. And so I'm like, nah, just recycle shit that I've been doing for the same. Yeah. I mean, if you reached out, I mean, just saying, I, I think a good coach would acknowledge the situation, but I think, I think there's, I think there's talented people out there that could do it, but yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Not to, not to say that they don't exist. That's yeah. yeah. Not to say that they don't exist. And I think maybe that's also me putting too much pressure on myself. Yeah. I think, sense. I think one thing too, it's just human nature. When you do your own programming, how much, how much do you overthink it? Right. So it's, it's like, you know, you know yourself better than any human, of course. So yeah. you, you just, it's just so natural to put way too much thought, time, effort, and you go back and you make a change. Truly, you can't be truly objective. No, I think if, I think people, and, and you know, I'm not like adding Andrew on this, but I think people have two flaws when they coach themselves. One of two, they either go, way too fucking hard and like just pound themselves to death or two um this would probably be more for like novice intermediate types they play too much to their what they like or are already good at right i do both of those things yeah i do too i do too i honestly think that's a really good point it's a good balance of both yeah yep and you know yeah that's a really good point cody that's, I think that's a hundred percent it. Yeah. Um, but so let's get into some of the good stuff. So let's talk about the lightweight strongman class, all the exciting stuff and, and just see what you guys think. So I got, I got a couple topics I want to bring up. So first off clash clash, we, we, Cody mentioned it a little bit and Andrew, you mentioned you already got your invite from being podium at OSG. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm a fan of because that's one less person I have to compete against in, online qualifiers but how do you guys i'm super excited for that like i i mean i'm gonna try to qualify what do you guys like how do you guys foresee this qualifying process going and how do you expect the show to be ran well just given how anthony's been running everything as of late you know taking note that it's been started over the pandemic right like 
applaud, right? Because right. It, it's well-deserved how, how much effort and how much has gone into it and how successful it's been. And I think it's showcased, but like I get excited to watch, right? Like, so yeah. that's saying a lot. And I don't get excited to watch World Strongs, man. Like to watch, you know, the big guys go, I like, I don't care. I'll catch it next week or two weeks from now on YouTube, maybe a clip or two, but like clash was something where like you can get behind it. And I think the other reason it's so easy to kind of, at least for me to get behind is because you're watching your friends compete at the highest possible level. Right. And that's really cool too. So yeah. I think, Hopefully, I think, I don't know, this, this is an opportunity to de- for the U80s to demonstrate in this, outside of like OSG, um, in this uh, sort of qualification process, that it's time to turn up and, and show up, right? So I'm really hopeful that there are going to be way more people submitting qualification videos than they have bandwidth to process. Yeah. I'm hoping I, that's the problem. Let me just... Let me just take a second to emphasize what you just said, right? Because this is a huge, th- this episode right now is going to be the most lightweight strongman we've ever had listen because you guys are both on it clearly. Um, and uh, listen back to what Andrew just said, because, and I'm sure Cody has the exact same thoughts because if this class wants to continue to evolve and be looked at as a legitimate strongman class, I think if you have an undeniable amount of entries to the online qualifier, then that really shows Anthony and everyone involved in strongman. Hey, these, this class will show out. They will, they do have a large participation. They have a large interest and we can continue to back them. But if we do the, if we do the online qualifier and there's 16 people, you know, that's not going to be, that's not going to be a great look. So if you're an 80 and you're listening, please, even if you don't think you have a chance, I think I have a very far shot, but I'm still doing it. You know, yeah, I might even be able to now. do the first event and I'm already, and I'm still signed up. Right. Yeah. Just sign yeah. up. So let me ask you guys as like more of an intermediate novice in comparison to you guys, when you did your, did you guys both have to do OSG qualifiers or this past year? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so when you do, so say there was that one that was like the sandbag carry for time, right? It was like you, as many trips one. as you, yeah. So how does that work? Like when you film the video for the online submission, you guys do it, you guys do everything on film, right? And then you go and on, in the same video, do you immediately go and weigh it? Yep. Okay. Yeah. It needs to be all yeah. one video, no editing, no cut together. Like you need to be prepared to do like a five minute video. Yeah. That's, that was just my, that was, um, that was kind of my, my uh, question. So I think I've even seen Lynn call out, uh, you know, not people directly, but call make call outs on Facebook where he's noting, hey, athletes, as a reminder, do not edit your videos yeah. you know, yep. or you'll be disqualified. So yep. I'm sure like, so I guess, cause you get videos that are way over 10 minutes, right? Wow. So I guess the way they get away with that is if someone's video necessarily isn't competitive, they don't even really need to view it or question it. Or that, And I think I, that's also- dude, I, Sometimes I think he- May, I don't know. Like, I think he might watch almost every single How fucking video. Do you think he had? This I year? mean, because I think a look. No, I I got in with the I got in with the ground to overhead and the deadlift one. I didn't have to do from the year prior. I didn't have to do the sandbag. Oh, one. I should have um, did that year. I didn't. So, what are your guys? So, what are your guys' predictions? So, clash. I like the idea of the online qualifier a lot yes. because I mean, CrossFit maybe you're successful. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, like. 
Well, think about it. We were talking before the show of all the costs associated with traveling to a strongman show, right? If we had to go and I had to go to, you know, I don't know, Cincinnati to go do a qualifier for clash, I would be a lot less likely to do it because you have so much stuff going on throughout the year. Everyone has a personal yeah. life there. Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, realistic view says that we aren't doing this as a full-time job as much as we would like to, you know? Um, and so it, it takes the financial stress off people to, to have to do it. So I really like that, but right. what are your guys? So there's three events. Uh, what are your guys' predictions for what the three events are going are gonna to be? Uh, Knowing Anthony, there's going to be a deadlift. I like yeah. that. I like yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the overhead. He, he's he got a thing for circus dumbbell. I feel like there might be. That's my thought. prediction. It's a, it sounds like the circus dumbbell is about to make its redemption year. I think Axel and Dumbbell are making a, are going to make a comeback. Yeah. I think we like. I think everyone like as much log as log, aesthetically log is the like overhead event. I think everyone's a little a little burnout. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think everyone wants like and also Anthony with like the belt clean thing. I wouldn't be surprised if he did a- Axel either out of a rack. That would be interesting mm-hmm. or um circus dumbbell one of those two for the overhead and then i could see about the type of sandbag hold for time or maybe like sandbag <laughs> or no. sandbag over something uh, like no i like- did the uh bear challenge from rogue Ugh. i don't know if you guys remember that I yeah, was like, oh, yeah this is gonna be the easiest freaking thing man i think i got like two minutes in and i'm like nope in really the winter, some nobody from wherever held it for like 14 minutes yeah yeah they didn't have weight classes for that right it was just no, like didn't. you would just go against brian shaw if he submitted like i was <laughs> yeah. like dang that but that's cool yeah. like bro getting involved in that stuff yeah so I, handbag hold god i hope not like <laughs> i think about it from my viewpoint like if i'm trying to be realistic and like try to because you can't really plan you can't peak for that that's what i like you have yeah. to kind of just be ready right for these online qualifiers i think about stuff that everyone can do so mm-hmm. like a circus a lot of gyms have a, a circus or an axle so i think that's a fair guess yep i think a deadlift because everyone has a barbell if you're training strongman everyone at least has like a power bar you know at their disposal yeah and um and then you know the third i would lean sandbag because sandbag is a very easy item to have yeah I, you think about like an atlas stone right so I doubt that there'll be an Atlas stone in it because the weight can vary so much and weighing a stone is very hard and regulating the height, you know, that yep. you can load to. I, yeah. All those things considered just what you said. 100%. Yeah. That's why like a certain thing about how easy, like if they do a, a max, like triple on circus, like clean and press every rep, it would be very easy to film that and then yeah. put it, just drop a circus on a scale. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like, that's what I look at is something like, that's a good event, but it's logistically easy. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. yep. Sandbag to shoulder would be cool. Like a 60 yeah. second sandbag to shoulder. I would love that event. Yep. Dude, Kyle, uh, or no, uh, Kyle Bixler has got that in his show coming up. Actually, mm-hmm. I haven't seen a sandbag to shoulder in a long time. I've seen it heavy once. series. I, I have seen I wish it, we'd see it more like mid-level shows. I would love for us to do that. I yeah. just had it. I just had it at a Ohio strongest man 
in um, oh, really? in November, and it was uh, it was actually a pretty heavy show, like for a local show, and like the lightweights was I think two thirty. Ours was sandbag to shoulder for max reps in a minute, oh, yeah. which is that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's heavy enough to yeah, yeah, going yeah. for sixty seconds. Yep. Yeah, so I really liked that event. Do you live close to that? Do you live close to where PA Dutch is going to be being ran, Andrew? I think it is maximum in at in traffic, maybe an hour from me. You should you should come out for it because I'm going to be out there. We are, are you okay? Yeah, yeah I got. We um, have uh, we have I think four people from our gym competing, and then we're having a supplement booth there as well. So we're going to have a booth for our. For our it's on March 12th. Yeah. So I got I got one guy I'm coaching who's going to be uh, competing there. Yeah, dude, you should come um, out and hang out. Right after, yeah, that's the weekend after Arnold. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know he, he'll probably want me there too. That'll, that'll be my goal. Um, my, I, I always want to be kind of where your athlete's going to be at, but sometimes. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think there, there's a lot of things that could be said with all of those qualifiers. Hopefully that the, you know, an axle deadlift. One point that you said an axle deadlift would be cool. Axle deadlift would be awesome. So, one point that you said too, I think, is that the actual athlete's readiness to do the qualify qualifiers is kind of unique as well because you're asking somebody to do something very specific in a very short turnaround. Unless you're a specialist, now it could be challenging. I'd like to see more of that at shows. Like we're gonna have a mystery event that we'll learn of the week, one week out. I think we need more. Yeah. Need more stuff Andrew, like did, you, did you compete in CrossFit? Uh, yeah, I did. So I was actually, I was, a, uh, I was a CrossFit coach for a while and I just, so I did a ton of CrossFit. Um, I did like a couple of, um, like local CrossFit contests and things like that. Like never got super serious into it. I was never 100% bought into CrossFit because there was just a lot of things I had learned before that yeah. I didn't agree with while I was there doing it. Yeah. Um, so I was actually, was I liked it because it helped bring my conditioning up to a yeah. level that strongman wasn't giving me. And yeah. I was able to bring a lot of strongman into CrossFit. And so like yeah. when I was in California and when I lived in Atlanta and I trained at CrossFit gyms, like when I went to Atlanta, I, I straight up, I went to this CrossFit gym, CrossFit identity, knocking on the door. The owners are like on an aerosol bike. And I'm like, yo, can I bring in a bunch of strongman equipment and train in your gym? And they're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like they didn't yeah. care. So it was like the greatest thing. And yeah. that, you know, I bring all this equipment in, they let, they allow me to train in this corner. So I'm doing all this weird shit in the corner and people start taking an interest and they're like, can we train with you? And, and, uh, after a while, you know, I just ended up becoming the strongman coach for the gym and, you know, doing classes like twice a week. And so it really allowed me to kind of be in that community, which I think is really important. We even ran our own little gym show. So I think it's really important when you talk about like novice competitors um, and maybe, I don't know if I'm just going to end up leading this conversation in this direction, but when we talk about like making it accessible to future and novice lifters, making strongman accessible, I think that we need to really think about how we position ourselves because a lot of those novice competitors might come from CrossFit. They're not going to be the size of, of a 300 pound individual who's no. doing crazy heavy deadlifts or anything like that, but that's where we're going to be bringing them from. Um, yeah. So I think that we need to kind of consider, we need to consider all of that. And that's why it's important to really highlight what the U80s are doing, because that's the most 
attributable kind of size. Of it's the most, <laughs> it's the most relatable size to it. Yeah, relatable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have a friend of mine. I'm coaching my client next week, but another friend of mine is doing the same contest. He's doing the novice division and I, he does CrossFit. That's all he does. And he's not, I mean, he's pretty good CrossFitter, but he's not a competitor. You know what I mean? But I was like, Hey, on these days, we're going to do practice. If you want to come and just do it. And he was straight up like, Hey man, I'm, I'm just going to wing it. I'm just going to show up and have fun and get cool pictures. And if I have fun, I'll do another one and then I'll train for it. And it's like, that's actually what we need more of. Yes. And, and like to backtrack to what Andrew was saying, it's funny how many people have that same exact story. So our gym is now in a 7,000 square foot, like basement warehouse. And awesome. That's huge. we started in a CrossFit corner, exactly how yeah. you said. So my cousin is a CrossFit coach, CrossFit gym owner. He allowed us to have like, you know, a 12 by 12 corner where we had a squat okay. rack, our log, our drop pads, our stones, everything like that. And then more and more people, you know, from the gym would see it. And like, then we started running a strongman Saturday. And then we started having seven people, eight people, 10 people, you know, and then we ran a show and we sold out 40 people within like, you know, like two weeks. So like, I think people are under that. They, it's like the misconception that it's for like just big guys that, you know, like the world's strongest man, what you see, because that's, what's always been highlighted. What I I was going to say though, is when I competed, I was like, I had like a, I was like really working hard to try and make regionals. I never did. But I was competing like a lot in CrossFit for a couple of years. And other than like one or two contests I did, this goes back to the clash thing. All the contests I ever did, we never knew the events until like the week out. So like we just trained trained, and then about a week out, we would test the events like that Monday or Tuesday before the Saturday. Yeah, dude, my yeah, my cousin's probably listening to this with a heart on right now because he owns a CrossFit gym and he always tells me how they need to, how strongman needs to get more like CrossFit and some of these things. Like, so I mean, just in terms of attractiveness and accessibility, like, mm-hmm. and some of the media stuff, like, I've been, I mean, I think Andrew and I both, like, we're in a couple of the same chats together and like we end up kind of covering the same points of like accessibility and some of the media stuff, like that's definitely the models that they need to try and adapt in their own way. And, and I don't know, you don't need to be 25 years old, 400 pounds living on a CPAP machine. You can be like the same frame as we are and be just as competitive. Um, If not, you know, just be in a completely, because I think also between super heavies and heavyweights to lightweight, middleweight, they are completely different competitive types of classes. Yeah. Yeah, I want to highlight that too in a second. I will yeah. say too, you guys, you guys know Paul Mauser. Yeah. You guys know Paul is. He used to run a show in West Virginia, with not far from me. And it used to be five mystery events, and you didn't yep. find out till the morning of. They're still yep. doing it. Yeah. Somebody Are they still taking it over? Oh, is he? Yeah. I, oh, I don't okay. know the guy's name. Uh, somebody else has taken it over, though. Is Jerry Hanley taking it over? It might be, actually. I was just. I can find out. Yeah. But, but Paul is always kind of like he, I was lucky when I got in a strongman. like I did a show, just a strength for autism, great cause and everything up here that he used to run. And I just fell on a good promoter. I think a lot of yeah. people, like a lot of pressures on promoters because how many people, when you, when you go to that rules meeting and the promoter says, how many people is their first time competing? You know, if you're in a local show, sometimes it's, it's 50% plus. Yep. Yeah. 
So, yep. so how I run a show or how Cody Abel or how Andrew Hanus runs that show is going to have a long lasting effect on that person. Cause if it runs like shit, you know, my first promoter, dude, Lynn Morehouse. There so, you go. Oh, yeah, there you that, go. That, like, so like my standard was set pretty high, even though yeah. I did one of his level two parking lot shows. But I think we talked about this last time, like a show can be in a parking lot and 100%. still be ran professional as shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can be in yeah. the, it can be in a major league baseball stadium and be ran horribly. Yeah. yeah. We just, so I've mentioned the show already, but we, we had Ohio strongest in November and it was ran on a freezing day. You, you guys know, you guys both are Northeast guys. So you guys know how cool it is. <laughs> so we're, so we're in, in, uh, in Youngstown, Ohio, in November in a, in an abandoned warehouse, you know, it's freezing cold, but that show was ran so good and awesome, yeah. you know? Yeah. And like, so I, it really, like, I think about it. My first, my first four shows were all Paul Mauser shows. And okay. then I, I went to a show to help out a training partner at my gym. And I obviously won't mention where, what, and it was ran. I was like, dude, if this was my first ever strongman show, I don't know if I would have even done it. And you, yeah. you know, it's like one of those days, it's like a 15 hour day to get 50 people through and like, you know, no, that's can, no good. Yeah. That's you can just no tell good. it wasn't, it wasn't thought about, you know, it wasn't yeah. thought well I've, through. I've been on both sides of that too. Like where you see uh, sort of hopefully like I've been in contests in the pouring rain and you've got you've got this glossy log that you're trying to press and it's yeah. pouring rain as you just look up and you're just taking it right in the face. <laughs> and it's just like, I mean, but the thing is, is, you know, if the, if the promoters are smart enough, yeah. Like one, you got to think about safety, like safety first and sure. foremost, but two, like, you know, coming to the, or to coming to the athletes and saying like, this is a situation. It sucks. Do you want to continue? So forth, so on. But then also seeing like some of those shows, as those shows have been run, those promoters hopefully are learning over time, right? And so like, oh, next time we're going to do it undercover. And then, oh, next year, well, we've got double the amount of athletes. We need double the amount of volunteers or, or whatever it might take to keep the show running fluid. And I think with a lot of local shows, I think there are some really popular local shows, annual local shows that just grow and grow and grow. And they get to the point where those promoters are so good at running those specific shows that a lot of other local shows kind of take the fall because, you know, there's just not as much put into them. Yeah. What's also crazy is too, like, you can't be that critical on promoters. Cause like what people don't realize is, you know, you're like every promoter and every person that helps out in strongman, it's really insane to think about the community we have, right. Mm-hmm. Because you're doing it for free and exactly. a lot of promoters lose money. Oh yeah. You know, oh, running yeah. a show. And, uh, and yeah. then you think about, how many shows have you been to where there's 20 plus volunteers? And it's like, I always think about it. I always do my best to go up to them and say, thank you, you know, for helping out for that day, because it's crazy that someone will dedicate an entire Saturday and they to help move sandbags so we can do that. Yeah. So we can do this like silly thing. Right. I love it because I've been to shows where athletes were like, all right, we're loading our own shit. Like mm-hmm. that, that's just how it was because you didn't have those people. Right. There. And it's just, I don't know. It's, nature of the beast yeah right um i'm gonna let i'm gonna gonna shut up for a moment no you're good um so when you compete as an 80 kilo you weigh in at 175.4 or under right 
And well, that's less than 80 technically. Yeah, yeah. right. So yeah. at, at OSP, it's 176 or, yeah, but mo most of the time it's 175.4. Right. So you have to be, we have to be 176 or under basically. Um, so, yeah. Where can you guys explain like a lot of the competitive? I don't even almost all of the competitive 80s. And this was a huge wake up call for me at nationals this year because I walked around at 174. Like I didn't cut weight and I trained at 174. And I, it's you realize what do a normal, really competitive 80 walk around at? About what do you, what would you guys say? I would say, well. I don't want to sound like a dick competitive, like someone that's in the mix. Yeah. Um, like if we're just being, if we're being honest, yeah. I would say at a minimum, they're walking around depending on height, anywhere between 186 and 196. Mm -hmm. yep. um, Accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you do have your anomalies like Richie, you, he, he walks around under 175. Yeah. Uh, Hasn't Tommy we'll have pancake breakfast before we weigh in? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Hasn't Tommy Lavelle talked about that as well? He actually walks around lighter than 175 and eats but up to going into a show. He, actually, uh, he, he hasn't in years. Actively, he actively gains weight in prep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, whereas most of the time you're gonna find that guys are gonna have to diet down in yeah. prep. Right. Well, so you guys and either of you guys could feel free to answer this, but so just use nationals this year as an example, right? We weigh in in the morning, uh, the day before the show. So you guys, you guys water cut, right. To get down to our weight class. And then what is immediately after look like, because this is something I want a lot of people to hear. I, I coach a big group of wrestlers too. So I kind of want them to hear this oh, as well about water yeah. cuts at a yeah. young age. I dude, I, I go back to this story all the time. I wrestled in high school and I think about the damage that I potentially did to my body. Cause I had a suit. I liked my wrestling coach, but super old school method. And I'm like thinking, dude, I'm like in 10th grade and I'm a growing, you know, <laughs> kid going through puberty and like how I cut weight in high school was so dangerous and detrimental. And it was like, not good. Um, yeah. So, so talk, talk about like how you guys, so Cody and Andrew, you both just weighed in for nationals. You cut, you know, 14 pounds, you know, and 17 pounds, one of you guys. What do you guys do immediately after you weigh in? And what's that next day look like? I'm going to let Cody take this because I think we both have similar but different approaches. So I'm going to let mm -hmm. you start. Yeah. So for me, I mean, my approach has definitely changed a lot the last year or so because um, the guy that helped teach me how to cut weight, he only – he only, he only used active means. So by active, I mean, bike row, like you're actually exerting energy, which that worked for me for a long time. Um, but for me now, my approach is I want to do as little as possible and let the weight come off slower with little exertion. Um, and I just now started using the sauna as my main means of sweating. Um, and it, I respond really well to it. Um, the morning I woke up the morning of weigh-ins for nationals and I needed to cut, um, I think I was like 179 or 180, give or take. Um, I basically had to lose like, I had to lose about four pounds and I actually, that was like quite a bit. And we only had about two hours until weigh-ins. And I like to, I like to weigh in on the spot. Um, 
And my coach was, was with me and he was like, don't worry. And we walked over to the YMCA and I think I cut the four pounds in the sauna in, I think I did two, I did one 15 minute sit and then one five minute sit. So I did 20 minutes of sauna and I shed four pounds. Um, and then I went to weigh in and for me, like the first thing I do is just, I just start pounding down water, um, and Gatorade or a Pedialyte. Um, but yeah, fluids for me is the big thing that I like to try and get in. Um, I have a bad habit for my first meal. I'm trying to work on it is I tend to gorge and that sort of like puts me into kind of a nap mode. Um, but I still recover fine. But, um, me like trying, basically just trying to get in like a good 30, 30 to 60 ounces of water within the first hour. Yeah. And then, okay, cool. And then, and then pretty much just basically like taper down into like normal eating again and like, and getting yeah, I actually had really good luck other than me eating too much at once and just getting a little too full. I've never had any crazy. The only time I've had like bad refeed is like one time I drank too much salt too quickly and I basically gave myself an enema. Um, so I had to like, I, I drank like five packets of Pedialyte at once, which was a really bad idea. Um, so I had to basically like eat an entire loaf of bread to solid my stomach up. Yeah. I, um, other than that, like I just try and eat, like I, be, I, I try and put an alarm on my phone to eat like a carb and a lean protein every 90 minutes. And then I'll snack on like Tostitos and drink some type of salted drink of some kind. Yeah. I, uh, I follow I used to follow when I cut weight to be in the eighties, I used to walk around about like 185 or whatever. So pretty manageable cut. And I would follow Stan efforting. He has a really interesting uh, like w- protocol after you weigh in after a water cut that he uses for strong men, power lifters, MMA fighters that are doing more extreme cuts. And I had my first bad experience on a refeed and I couldn't figure out why. Cause I followed the protocol and I got sabotaged sabotage by a training partner because he gave me the supplements that he used for effortings and they were expired. I took like three-year-old expired supplements that really messed up my stomach. What was the supplement? It's a, it was a full breakdown and I didn't realize we had them for like four or five years and they were all like solidified and he made my shakes. So I think that's what messed up my stomach. Uh, what were they though? Um, I can get you the breakdown here. One second. I have a, I have my full sheet. But yeah, he has a, so efforting does his where he doesn't have any um, food for the first, I think 90 minutes after you weigh in, it's all shakes. Yeah. Um, And I'm not talking like whey protein shakes. It's like, you know, um, it's like, you know, salt, aminos, um, basically just getting rehydrated. So the vitamins and minerals. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. When you guys, when you guys water cut. Do you guys, um, do you guys, uh, your last couple of days go to distilled water or do you guys just stay on normal water? So for me, yeah. oh, go ahead. Oh no. Yeah. I was gonna say that's that just, I, I use distilled water the entire week of, okay. Uh, I usually, uh, if I have a really big cut, I'll bring it in. So if like weigh-ins are Friday, I'll bring them in like a day or two early. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I have like a manageable cut, I'll just do it the last day. Um, but like for the Arnold, I'm probably going to do a bigger cut than normal for me. 
Yeah. Um, so I'll probably do uh, distilled water, maybe for the majority of the load. I don't know. I just, I hired some, I have a nutritionist, but I hired someone to do the actual cut. So they're going to handle the last 10 days for me. Um, but I have a feeling that'll probably be one of the approaches is doing more distilled water. Yeah. Um, I did distilled water for an entire, for two entire cuts, but they were my lowest cuts ever. They were from like 183. Uh, I just don't think it was necessary. Yeah. So. Yeah. So efforting shakes are you put 32 ounces of water, you put a quart of water in and then you do dextrose, fructose, sodium in tablets, or you can put it in the shake with you, but I just take the tablets, um, caffeine with your first, and then your next two, you don't have caffeine, BCAs, uh, digestive enzymes and iodine, iodine, so iodized salt. And that's kind of how he breaks down his shakes. And uh, he has everything like you can go in and he puts everything down. So your first 90 minutes, you do three shakes, at 30 minutes apart. And uh, it's always worked for me. But, yeah, I had one bad. Experience. No, I, I think that's I think given the first hour or so. Doing like a like a, a, you know, just liquids is probably a good idea. Yeah. But like so. OK, so one thing I want to say, and I'm sure you guys can correct me if I'm making this up and putting words in your mouth. And this is something that has always blown my mind being at a weather because before strongman, I competed in powerlifting for like five, six years before starting this. And no matter you're at powerlifting, strongman, whatever, anything that's a weight cut, for some reason, it's the culture that it's like cool to like, you know, when you're standing around right before weigh-ins and everyone's kind of bullshit and like, you know, waiting to weigh in. And as soon as you get off the scale to shove donuts in your mouth, I don't. I don't think I, I, I pray for the guys that do that. Cause dude, it's just for me. I'm like, good. Fuck up. your Right. But like, it's for some I reason, eat three handfuls of bacon in St. Louis at my first nationals right after weigh in. And I was like, yo, that desperate <laughs> yeah. for, for getting in those little sweet treats or whatever meals you've been missing so desperately for a week or a month, like you need to reevaluate your situation. Yeah, it seems like it's almost like more normal to eat like crap after you weigh in and it's like cool. And I'm like, because it's that immediate reward, the immediate satisfaction that they're looking for and without keeping the long term, which is really the, the, the 24 hour goal, right? Because you weigh in and then 24 hours, your goal is to compete at your best and yeah. then do as good as you possibly can, hopefully win. But the short term food reward is just easier to kind of. Yeah. I mean, to be fair though, too, like some of that, I mean, again, nutrition of any kind, whether it's refeed or throughout the year is also very person to person. I mean, there's definitely a, a need in a refeed for like things that are going to just get in your body and get absorbed quick. So really fast absorbing carbohydrates are like a really good call. But mm -hmm. yeah, I do. There are, yeah, I don't know. There's definitely some choices that some people make and I'm like, yeah. yo, this is a personal guy. relationship. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just think that's I like, I, I I'm a firm, like it's my firm belief. And I think one of the reasons, you know, like I've, I don't know why I'm rethinking my approach on competing this year too, is I'm a firm believer that we only have so many weight cuts in our life yes. before we start to really do some damage to our systems. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, be it your kidneys, your liver, your GI, this, your overall metabolism, things like that. And I, um, so I, I don't know, I, I think it's really important to be as smart as you possibly can while you're doing these very dangerous water cuts. Um, yeah. That's do you guys do, 
Do you guys do IVs after you weigh in? If oh, it's yeah. a bigger cut? If I have it available, I'm going. I did an IV until this past Nationals. I've never done yeah. one before. Okay, so that's I did it. That's like I my, did it at Nationals and OSG. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's something like, I'll be probably doing for the first time this year. Do it. Yeah. Do it. It's worth I've it. Never, I've never had a cut more than like eight pounds. Um, worth I've it. only done it twice, but this year I'll, I'm trying to get up to like 190, 193, somewhere in that range slowly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll be doing it. it. I'll be doing it this year. Yeah. Um, as someone that knows what they're doing can hook it up. There's not, I mean, it's yeah, it's cool. I, there's a lot of companies popping up that offer it now at bigger yeah, events too. These are one of those things that like, if a normal person, saw what you were doing and like asked they're like oh why are you getting an IV you're like oh I just made weight for this thing that I pay to compete in yeah it is we have is to so acknowledge funny. we have to acknowledge the lunacy of that however if a if you have a professional set you up with a bag and a needle it, it's it is a very it's not one of those things I I don't think again as long as you have the proper guidance there's not really a downside to it you know it's not yeah. like trying a different method for cutting weight where it could go wrong. Like right. if a medical professional hooks up your IV and picks your bags, like you're, you're going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think like uh, you guys weigh in on this too. I think after you weigh in that 20 to 24, sometimes 26 hour window is the, is where the real work begins, right? Because I think almost sometimes that week of like that weight cut, whether it's seven to 10 day water cut, I almost think psychologically athletes need that sometimes to stay busy. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. something I've well, always thought about. So I said this on an interview a while back, regardless of what anyone says, especially for our weight class, event one is making weight. Yep. Yep. 100%. I think you put all that work in to get down to that weight. You know, you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not um, doing your homework and you're not uh, prepared to eat correctly, hydrate correctly after you weighed in, because that weight cut's going to be completely wasted for that show that you're trying to win. Um, That's why I take like, it's a very methodic kind of day after weigh-ins for me. Like I take my time doing, you have to be super anal. I go on, I plan out like, where am I going to go walk? Especially if, you know, I'm visiting a city. I'm like, where's like a park where I can have like a two mile walk. Cause I want to, I don't want to bloat. Right. So I, I want, you know, especially after a meal, I want my system to start kind of functioning a little bit, maybe just a little bit of sweat, you know, put some heavy clothes on, go for a two mile, easy walk just to get things moving. Like, so I plan out that I'm like, all right, get on Google maps. Where's our thing to walk? But you get some people that are just like, no, I'm going to gorge and I'm going to sit in my hotel room and do nothing. I'm going to feel like crap at 2am. And then I'm going to wake up and do whatever I got to do. Like there's yeah. there are things that you can do. And once you figure out what works best for you, your own routine, you kind of stick to that and build on that or whatever it might be. Yeah. People I think that get, that's important. People get cabin fever the week, seven days out, they start to go into panic mode where they're like, I need to get another squat session in. I need to get another press session in. I'm like, no. dude, trust me. You don't need to do that. You're not, yeah. it's, you're not going to get stronger from now until that weekly show un- unless you rest. That's the only way you're actually going to get stronger is if you rest because your body's been going through hell for the last eight, 12, 16 weeks, however long you've been preparing. So you need to rest. I've caught so many powerlifters are powerlifters at our gym doing a, like a heavy squat, like 
three days out because they're going crazy. And I'm like, dude, you don't, your body's yeah. not going to forget Back how off. to squat. Your body is not going to forget yeah. how to squat. I promise. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, well, that's cool. I, I think it's, I think it's important for people to, to kind of hear what goes on behind the weight cut. Um, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. And I think it's very, people do it very dangerously. I think that was interesting what you said too, Andrew, with uh, your body not having that many. I, I watch the UFC every once in a while. And I think about like these guys that are like lifetime contract UFC guys that have fought 35, 40, 45 times in the UFC. And those cuts are dramatic. They are. That can be the cuts they do in MMA are pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, you'll you hear guys cutting with people helping them too. They do. That is that is fair, and they are doing it for a living, most of them. Um, But man, you got to think these fifty-pound water cuts, like yeah, that's why I think you know, as as kind of you know, your your career in the sport evolves. One really needs to consider how much value there is in making sure. cuts, you know, sure. 100%. Uh, I'm super like, that there's a 200 class now because that's like, Oh, yep. something I don't have to cut, you know, yep. just walk around well, and have fun. So like, like to me, like somebody coming into a sport, no matter what it is, fucking tennis, alpining, strongman. Like if someone kind of comes into a sport and starts killing it really quickly, that's awesome. You know, like there's a case study to be made like, oh, what, what, what did they come in with? What talents did they have? But like, to me, like uh, density and the prolificness of people is what really matters. So like, and they, they don't even have to, like somebody like Richard, you and Richie Stout, like those guys have been in, in it since the beginning. Yeah. And then you like go back even further, like, like Ed Cohn, Ed Cohn to this day is still the greatest power lifter of all time. Not and like close. all yeah. he, all he, you know, he talks about it all the time. Like, He's like, I learned very quickly that if I competed more than about two times a year, now take it in mind, powerlifting is a little different, but if I competed more than two times a year that my body didn't respond well and I would get hurt and I had nagging injuries. Um, So like, again, it's different because powerlifting is the same every time. Whereas a strongman, it's it's different events, but like taking into mind, like a weight cut events, prep, like, he was able to last so long because he didn't get caught up in the bullshit and he had plenty of off season training, um, plenty of rest. Um, like that dude's tendons are probably stronger than granite because he has 45 years of just like solid, not like grinding out the last four weeks of a peak, but that guy's got literally 40 years of like, I'm giving a hundred percent effort to going 80 to 85% every day, which yeah. that to me, that's intensity. That's the longevity aspect. That, that's the biggest thing I try to preach to people is it's a marathon, not a sprint. Like Andrew said, he started in 2012, in 2012. Yeah. Cody, what year did you do your first strongman yeah. show? I did my first strongman ever in the summer of 2014, but I was competing in CrossFit. Right. Well, uh, I, did the, CrossFit, yeah. I did a CrossFit competition the weekend before. I did a strongman contest that next weekend. And I only touched a log once. And I did the medley like a month out once. Then after the strongman contest, I went to work and work the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> well, like that's what it's like strength training as a whole, like CrossFit, strongman, powerlifting, whatever, bodybuilding, 
like there's no cute answer for like being if you want to be really good like if you just want to do it because you like because you like it and you want to compete like eight nine ten times a year at local shows that's fine yeah if you want to be really good like elite you have to really map out your year come up with a plan right and be able to you know be able to to achieve that plan and that goal because the cute, there's no cute answer to being good. It's a marathon and it truly is a marathon. It's squatting under a barbell for 10 plus years. And then you should be pretty decent. It's not, you know, that's exactly, I feel like so many contests I've showed up and there are guys and they're like, Oh man, like I saw you here. And I just, you know, I knew I was going to get crushed when, when I saw your name on the, uh, on the scoreboard or whatever they do in iron podium. Now that, yeah, yeah the athlete list right yeah. and things like that and i'm like how long have you been doing strongman oh five months i'm like then i mean you, you really that's not the mindset that you need to have coming into those types of contests yeah. like, like your you mindset should be stressing be, yourself out over things like that when i have so much more experience in competitions than you have because you've been doing it for five months right, right. so i think those that's something that you know the reality check kind of helps with a little bit too yeah i mean i'll take into mind that there's, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot that is not applicable from like field sports to this stuff. Um, but there, there's also a lot that is. So like, if you've been training and competing hard for five to 10 years, like you getting ready for a show, depending on the show, like it's not just, I mean, you need to put in the work if you want to do well, but there's gotta be considerations. So like, Oh, like, all right, this show has, you know, a stone over bar for reps. And it's like, okay, I've hit that stone at that weight a thousand times in the last 10 years because you're that strong or your technique is that good. And it's like, okay, I don't need to necessarily be like, I don't have to hammer myself to death on each and every single event as much as it's like, I need to get the make sure the skill set and the technical stuff is there, and I just need to be pro, get my body prepared for the task at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where like training volume and experience, and it's like like playing a sport. Like a basketball player, like they need to be generally fit and prepared for the season, but they also like can rely on having their skill set and training volume in the past to kind of carry them throughout. Right. So I think that's something people tend to forget. Like. You know, I was kind of, I was starting to get a little stressed out about the Arnold a week or two ago, and I went through the events. And other than like one thing, it's like I have done everything on this list of events so many times before. I know if I do all these other things like sleep, eat, not be a stressed out mess, as long as I do that okay. stuff, like and get in the training, it's going to be there because nothing is everything's within like a certain threshold of my capability. Yeah. Can I say how nice it is to see a squat in a high level contest for the it's first awesome. time? What since I don't know, a long time. I yeah. can't wait to squat in a contest. Right. <laughs> I think uh just to backtrack real quick, like Andrew, what you were saying about you know, you have guys and Cody, I'm sure you've had the same thing at, at local contests when you're doing a qualifier or something. Guys come up and like, yeah, dude, I know you're going to just destroy me. I think that's like the wrong attitude to have. And your goal should be if you've been in it for like a year, a year and a half, whatever, you're a novice. Your goal should be, hey, 
I'm, you know, I'm going to do my best, but I have this guy who's competing in the same class as me. He goes through the same preparation as me. He's doing the same weights as me. I'm going to pick his brain. I yeah. remember that's where I, I think you get some of that sometimes, honestly, uh-huh. you, you do get a lot of that. You do get some people that are, that open up a little bit more than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially if you're coming up and you've got a, at least a good athletic foundation where you've been training consistently and you show up like you and you dominate the deadlift. Right. And you're just like, well, take that fuckers. Right. <laughs> uh, like, I love that. And I think yeah, like Richard Pranganaban, he's uh the perfect example of somebody who right like got in got involved and got interested in strongman uh and then made his first debut at osg and then dominated but also what's to be said about things like that is you know he's coming up against guys who have a shitload of experience on that specific competition floor and it doesn't matter what competition floor you're on even experienced athletes can have mistakes and can slip up, right. Or just have a bad performance overall. And so sometimes like those guys who think, Oh, this guy's going to crush me, but then you turn around and and you're able to, you're able to overcome them in a lot of events, really that the points speak for themselves. You know, you can be strong and you can be really fit and you can be really experienced. But another part of, I I think those are two different things and they, they tend to coincide but there's also something to be said, and this doesn't necessarily require experience, even though it comes hand in hand usually. Like, so when I started CrossFit, and even when I started Strongman, really, I actually, I was not good or overtly gifted at anything really. But what I just naturally have been good at is competing. So like competing in and of itself is its own skill set. So like, like you guys are just saying, like, yeah, like pick your brains, talk to people, but like also like take chances and go take your shots when you can because there's been plenty of people that me and Andrew have beaten that on paper and everything should have beaten us. But, you know, that, it, you know, it's like that stupid, what's that poem or that soliloquy, like the man in the arena on any given day, anyone can be beat. Yeah. Um, there's, that's, human, that's, there's human factors that play into it, right? There's complacency. Yeah, there's competing and being in the gym. And this isn't me downing people that don't compete, but and they but they put in the work in the gym. Like I think honestly, I think those people are smarter than us. <laughs> but they have like, money. <laughs> competing is literally it's it's its own thing. And I think, at least from a mental aspect, like it's something that you can learn in any other sport. Um, I, I mean, especially if you've done individual stuff, team sports, I think it depends on what sport you came from and what your specialty was. You're going to be at a slight disadvantage because you haven't ever truly been alone on the competition floor. Um, but being really good at competing is a whole other skill set that you can actually, like for strong man, you can have, you can be not that strong and you can still be a really good competitor. Right. absolutely you can be well-rounded and you have the right events on a certain day and just yep. get points that's what i like about strongman that's what i've always liked about strongman and uh versus powerlifting is powerlifting i mean minus a mistake where you open too heavy or something you pretty much know about the the wheelhouse you're gonna total right and you have a very good educated guess of what yeah. you're gonna total that day you know what you're capable of because it's three static movements strongman you have 10, 15, whatever guys, and 
it depends how other other people do for how your points go, right? So I kind of like that aspect. That, but also you got to think about the equipment, the stage yeah, itself, right? Because especially local shows, like best example, did a Conan's wheel last year on asphalt and no problem. Like it's sort of flat, but there might be a little bit of incline. And there's also a dip over here that you have to account for. And so if I set my pin height wrong, and you go 10 feet farther than me because you saw that dip and I didn't like yeah. those yeah. are those little things that all, all of it's got to be pulled together. And if after you get that experience competing, you like, you know, to look for those stupid little things. Right. And then you put it together to build your win out of that. Right. Combined with like all the, you know, performance and, and uh, like the training leading up to that performance. Right. Uh, I remember, uh, I remember, the deload week before nationals this year, I wrote in my notes like five to seven questions I wanted to ask you guys all at nationals, like when we were warming up and stuff. And I got all my questions off. And it was like such a, I remember because watching like Nick Gagnon, right. And then like competing because yeah. like, it sounds corny, but like, I like watching the eighties more than like you said, Andrew, like than watching the big guys. Cause it's relatable to me. Yeah. Like yeah. I go in the gym. I'm like, Oh, this, like, dude, Cody Abel just pressed like a 285 log, you know, like that's cool to me to watch because it's relatable because we're the same weight class, all that stuff. So to be able to get my questions off of nationals, that was a huge like weekend for me because I learned so much and I got to meet you guys and all that stuff. So mm. if you're like, it all goes back to what Andrew said, don't have that attitude where it's like you have that loser mentality, take a positive from it. So you can become a better competitor. Yeah. Andrew or Cody yeah. or, or someone that's more experienced may beat you, but learn so, so let's you just, can beat them. Let's just put it out there. Like we are an incredibly friendly bunch. Like it's, I've, I've literally been told from like other weight classes, how annoying it is. Yeah. How just chipper and just kind and, you know, just full of energy that the lightweights are yeah. uh, to a point where it's not like, you know, nobody's like, yo, shut the fuck up. Get out right. of here maybe in powerlifting you might get that but like you really do and then strongman like it's encouraged and then it starts to like you know it's a little infectious like that starts to vibe out and the rest of the community starts to kind of you know i think a part of that is because so unlike weightlifting and powerlifting where you get to decide for a powerlifting or weightlifting meet you decide how hard of a meet you want to have like do I want to only worry about hitting my training maxes? Do I want to try and hit lifetime PRs? This, that, and the third. So like everyone's able to be a lot more myopic and in their own lane, which that's, that's not good. That's not bad or good. It's just different. I think with strongman, other than maybe some max lift events, which are actually a lot more rare than people realize we all are given, we are all are tasked with the same exact burden to overcome. So like, it's a lot harder for someone like if I'm competing in the same weight class as John Hack at a de- at a powerlifting meet, like I can't relate to anything he's doing because he's only a little bit bigger than me, but he deadlifts 900. Yeah. You know what I mean? What, what's he? He seems to be walking around at like 240 now, right? He's he's, he's, over, he's, he's at minimum 220. But what I was saying is with strongman, by and large, we all are given the same exact burden. Like we all are carrying the same yoke the same sandbag. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like CrossFit. We're like, yo, Matt Frazier did this open workout. I did it too. So I have an idea of how much it sucks. I know it sucked just as much for him, but at a different level. Right. So, you know what I mean? So I think yeah. that's why like in strongman, especially the smaller weight classes, 
is like we're able to like connect with each other because we're literally doing the same exact thing. Yeah. yeah. Like if we don't, yeah, that's a good point. If we don't like, if we get dealt a shitty hand and we don't get a good warm up period on a yoke or something, we all kind of <laughs> understand and we're like, you know, not like that ever happened or anything, but <laughs> not that, that would ever happen. <laughs> but I don't um, know you guys, but that always happens to me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, let me. Let me rapid fire. So we had a couple Q and A's we put out on Instagram. We'll have to come out. We'll have to have another get together soon for another recording of this. Cause I really enjoy this and I learn a lot, but uh, let me rapid fire some questions and you guys kind of just give a brief answer, whatever you think. Oh, I had to ask just Justin Weaver. My legal obligation was to ask how much you guys bench. Cause he let me Photoshop uh, my face on him. What's your guys max yeah. bench? On a good day, maybe 335. Yeah, I'm about, that's about where I'm at, too. Like, I don't bench. I've been doing close grip recently, and I just hit a heavy set yeah, of five. I was, you yeah. should only be doing close grip. That's yeah. not true only, but it, in prep for a contest, only close grip. Yeah. Let, let's um, ask, like, can we reverse ask and say, like, what is Justin's bra size? <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what, Justin push press because he certainly doesn't know how to do that. Yeah. Justin, what can you push press? <laughs> what uh what strongman event would you guys never like to see in a comp again? Never like to see in a comp again. Holy crap. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. To just in general or have to do? Have to do. We'll say for I this person didn't specify, but we'll say have to do. Man, you know. You know what I don't like, and I think it's a common one. Um, I don't like front handle car deadlifts. Ooh, I've never had to do that, so I don't know. They're not. I had to do it at PA Dutch. I don't like those. Yeah, I'm just gonna say that because that's something they see all the time. Otherwise, like I can only really think of like stupid one-off sort of. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. That you really you only see once in your life, so it's hard to really pinpoint those. Um, yeah, for a common event, that's what I'll say. Uh, for me, it's all about the frequency. So, like, I'm really over conventional deadlifting at the moment. I, I want side handle to make a comeback, which it kind of is, I think, a little. But basically, like, variations of the deadlift besides conventional. Just just for a little – give everybody a break. I think this 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 – the Eddie Hall 500 kilo thing is like tapered out. 501 is like, it, I think it's really thrown things off track with the variety of template variations. So, a lot of people have been getting hurt working on those as well over the past yeah, couple dude. years. Well, it's because every big contest they're making people max out. It's yeah. like, I on, think. Man. It, it seems like an event comes and goes in waves, right? So like you yeah. see like you see like a conventional deadlift for like a long time. And the, like we were talking to like log, like log just it seems yeah. like this last year or so it's just been nonstop log. It's like a lock at every show. When I got into this, when I very first started, it was car deadlift, keg, circus dumbbell. Uh, or just press medleys there for a minute. Some I think sort of press medley. Yes. Yeah. Where you would do log axle keg or some variation. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I miss press medleys like that. I like just, I like variety. I like keeping it weird. I like keeping people guessing. Like, I think if you just have a conventional strongman show where, you know, it's going to be like one of like, it, it's going to be five of seven or eight events. I don't, I think that kind of takes away like the, like the coolness of what strongman is, you mm -hmm. know, like, press a motorcycle at a show, like, you know, have a squat, have a, 
you know, I just like changing it up. So I don't really have one that comes to mind, but I just, as a gym owner, I want to see as little amount it, of stones as possible. As, I hate as, yeah. As deep as we all kind of get with ourselves into prep and all this very unnecessary, not to sound dramatic, but some of this like mental trauma we put ourselves through in preparation for stuff. Oh yeah. I just want the events to, I mean, obviously they hurt in the middle of them. Let's be very clear. Right. Strong hurts a lot. It's like a one rep max that lasts 60 seconds. Like I just want events to be fun and cool. You know what I mean? And whether that, whether they're cool because they look cool or whether they're cool because it's a novel thing, like let's just like, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be weird and wild. So just embrace that. Right. Yeah. And also, and like weird and wild, but keep the athletes in mind. I think if you're a promoter too. Yeah. hundred percent. I know what you mean. Um, What do you guys, what do you guys have to like personally, like Instagrams stuff like Dante, our producer, he'll put your guys Instagram handles, like by your guys faces for the zoom tonight when this comes out. But what do you guys gotta, what do you guys gotta talk about? Like, what do you what do you have personally to promote like for yourself as a competitor or as you know a professional like where people that are listening to you guys for the first time what do you guys want them to check out for you guys you can go Andrew well um I was just reminded as we were sitting here on this call that I actually saw that the DECA event that I was mentioning so the the website I actually already posted on my, what do you call that? The link tree. So like if you go oh, to yeah. the profile and you click on the link tree, it's one of those links. I don't have shit up there yet, but it's just like a blog site. So I'll, I'll be doing some more blogging this year. I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to watch. I'll try to adhere to what I've laid out for myself along this adventure. Um, so I think it'll be kind of fun to see like, so here's a fun tidbit. Two weeks before we went to nationals this past year, I did a Ragnar race, which is a 24 hour race trail race. So basically it was running in the dark in these trails. Um, so, you know, it's going to be things like that, that I'll, I'm trying to put myself to the test and I'm not trying to win anything, but I am trying to do like the best that I would do. So I think that that's kind of what I've got going on for the most part. Um, I'm really like, don't ask me about training. Everybody always messages and asks about training. Um, I'm, I'm very, very picky about it. And I don't really like to do it. I think that there are a lot of other awesome people out there. Um, So I do, you know, the training that I do do for people, it's more on a personal level that I do that kind of stuff. Um, So there, there are so many awesome coaches out there, like, just go find a coach. Um, And uh, yeah, I think that's all I'm going to, all I got really to say. Um, I don't really have any business or anything like that so like i'm not trying to make money off my my little deca event or anything like that i don't know what about the uh warrior uh dog stuff that you post oh uh, yeah all the time i, mean, I think that's literally cool. just left yeah well that's pretty cool so yeah i don't know um many people know many people don't know some people just like the dog pictures when i post them online um but i was a military working dog handler in the air force and so me and my dog who is retired and at home with me uh we are a bomb uh detection team and so when that dog when that canine was at the end of his service some of these dogs aren't are deemed unsuitable for adoption and are euthanized military doesn't care. They're a piece of equipment. It's the most unfortunate reality that you can kind of take away from the canine world. Um, 
the Warrior Dog Foundation was started by a Navy SEAL about 10 years ago almost. And he basically said, there is no canine that is beyond rehabilitation. And so he, he has a panel, he takes these dogs in, he rehabilitates them, and then he uh, finds suitable homes for them to go to. And so my dog, Benny, was actually one of the fortunate cases where he went to the, the kennel facility, we were able to work things out, and then I was able to go pick him up from the kennel facility. So it was kind of like an intermediate um, kind of uh, uh, exchange between the military and, and him coming home with me. So definitely check out the Warrior Dog Foundation if you, you know, are into dogs at all it's kind of fun to watch um and especially considering like what these canines have done for our country it's they deserve the proper retirement um so yeah i do uh i do a lot of work in helping them um so we're doing we're always doing fundraisers so if you want to drop five dollars drop five dollars to warrior dog foundation we will thank you greatly for that um uh, we have 30 dogs right now so we're we're way over step or way over uh, our kennel limit at this point um, so even if you are interested in potentially adopting one of these canines, there's an adoption form that you can fill out. We review them periodically and we go through and try to see if it's a good fit. Um, so yeah, it's, that's actually a really important kind of, uh, cause that I run. So thanks for yeah, plugging that. I didn't know if that was the proper play. If this no, was the yeah, no, you're, place to plug you're good, that. Man. Yeah. Cody, what about you? Yeah. Uh, so my like training personal Instagram, um, you know, Feel free to follow that. Uh, it's just strongest tattooer. Um, I'm like kind of limiting how engaged I am in terms of like in the social media world of strongman for a while right now. Um, but I'll answer any DMs that are sent my way. Um, I'm doing some coaching, but kind of like Andrew, it's I am not a coach per se. What I'm right now, what I'm doing is I'm helping a really good buddy of mine out, and I think I'm getting more out of it than him. Um, so any coaching would be you'd have to live around here and we'd have to like have a really long talk, not so much about expectations as far as what I would expect, but just like whether I, I think I have the time to give you what you deserve. Um, any training content, I do have some stuff I want to put out for free. Uh, like I did the nine mag program last year and a half ago for tattooers, but anyone can do it. I, I did write a, uh, far, uh, farmers and sandbag supplement carry program that I'm going to publish or put out publish that anyone can throw into whatever, whether it's CrossFit or bodybuilding. Um, and then my work account, Cody Abel is my tattoo account. Uh, if anybody wants to get tattooed, let me know more than have. I tattoo a lot of people in the strongman community. Um, everybody wants me to tattoo at the contest. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but um, if you come to the DMV and get tattooed, we can hang out, uh, maybe get a training session in two. Um, because I'm not, going to compete that much this year uh just because of life and you know i just i kind of want to get i kind of just want to train more just to train than compete at the moment um i want to try and get involved not just in strong i just kind of want to be kind of a presence just literally just to be someone that is someone that can kind of be welcoming to newcomers so i don't really know yet how I'm going to do that. But if you've got events or if you've got anything in the DMV area, and I, I, I could probably travel as North as Baltimore ish, maybe Philly or as South as like Richmond ish. If you've got an event, something, even if you just need me to volunteer, I'll do that. Um, I think um, P 
people, maybe like me, Andrew, anybody that maybe gets a little more notoriety in the sport or the weight class, especially, I think we, I think we could probably, all of us, this isn't, we could, it would probably be helpful if we were just at some events just to be there to help and not compete. Um, so I'm actually going to reach out to some folks there uh, that like, Hey, like, is me just coming down Saturday as a loader going to be helpful? Like what can I do um, as maybe one of the more visible eighties that could benefit you guys and the people. Um, I also want to try and figure out a way that like, if there's anything I can do to like, not trick people into doing strongman, but strongman in terms of just accessibility in terms of doing a contest it's pretty low cost by comparison but i think the 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 makeup of the landscape can be a little off-putting and intimidating to people i think strength sports in general have a long way to go in terms of being like truly diverse and equitable so i want to try and uh if anything, do what I can to like more people that have an interest in it that maybe don't feel like they would be welcomed um, to do what I can to see if I can help with that. Um, just because uh, this is a very selfish, self-centered hobby. If you want to be good at it, it, there's no real way around it. I mean, whether you're a triathlete or a powerlifter or a weightlifter, like it's, it's a you centric thing. And that's, that's, I think a lot of people need to come to terms with that in that, you're not a bad person, but like, don't, you can't fool yourself into thinking like, oh, I'm doing this because I want my family to be proud of me. Like, yo, if you're, if you need to win an event for your family to be proud of you, that's not your family. You know what I mean? Like your family's already proud of you. Like if you're doing something that makes you happy, they're proud of you. So, um, I don't know. I just want to try and try and make this very self-centered hobby have some sort of outreaching effect of any kind. And I'm still trying to figure that out. So if anyone out there has something going on that I could help with, um, like I said, even if it's me coming down to load weights at an event, um, I'd be more than happy to. Um, and that's really it. Awesome, man. Well, thank you guys so much. I appreciate the time. I hope we can do it again here in the next month or so and make it a regular thing, get some visibility and just get talking about our class in general. So I appreciate you guys. 80 wrap up after the qualifier. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, you're gonna have a whole, you're going to have a whole U80 series on your podcast channel. Fine with me. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Right, we'll, uh, we will uh, talk to hey, all the listeners. Gosh, are you guys going to come to the Arnold? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to come. Better, I want to, I want to, yeah, I'm going to film an episode out there. So okay. we'll have to see. I know you guys are going to com- be competing and stuff, but we'll see how many, if we could do like a, 80s like something while we're out there that would be awesome we'll have to talk Ooh, we, that sounds good we definitely could there's let's set it up like we'll, they do with like uh actors when their movies come out and yeah we'll like, have a like a <laughs> we'll, have a we'll have to bring the actual green screen out and stuff and have dante bring all his cameras and the mics and everything oh, we, yeah. we, we can, can do it big. talking with uh, cj krauss about that he used to run oh, a pod. i hey, have CJ. to mention i have to mention his deadlift too Oh, that's oh, this weekend. That's he's this going weekend. for it this upcoming weekend. So he said he wants to hit 725 his third attempt. So that'll be huge. And I'm pretty well, sure that's not in a suit. If it no, is it's not. not. He's never suit. been in a suit. He's never been in a suit. Can you believe that? That's awesome. Yeah. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Oh, he's definitely going to do gonna it. He's going to pull over seven, I believe. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. But 
Man, thank you guys so much again for coming on, and I really appreciate yeah. it. And, and, man, we'll talk to everyone here soon. Right on. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it, too. Thank you.